if I go through a sequence of events uh, and then people can decide for themselves if they think it's a coincidence. For 30 years, I have been um, warning that there is a global cult, a death cult, that um, has a design on the world to create a beyond Orwellian state, which I call the Hunger Games Society. And if people would visualize a pyramid, and at the top of the pyramid is what is called today the 1%. Actually, at its core, it's less than 1%. At the bottom of the pyramid are basically the rest of humanity uh, that are under um, severe control and restraint and are dependent for their survival on the 1%. And in between the 1% at the top and the rest of the population is a police military state, because they want to fuse the two eventually, a police military state beyond Orwellian that is there to impose the will of the 1% upon the population and to stop the population challenging the 1%. And this whole Hunger Games pyramid society, globally uh, dictated through a world government, etc., um, is designed to be run by artificial intelligence, i.e., any that which um, which controls artificial intelligence. And while I've been saying this is the this is the goal. And of course, a lot of people, in fact, most people in mainstream society have found it very funny. I don't think I will hear so many laughing now. Um, I've talked about two techniques that um, are constantly used, psychological techniques, to advance towards that goal. One I called since the 1990s problem, reaction, solution where you create a problem or the illusion of one. There's another version of this called no problem reaction solution, as I call it, where you don't need a real problem. You just need the perception of one. So at stage one, you have a problem or a manufactured uh, illusory problem, like weapons of mass destruction in Iraq, classic no problem reaction solution. You then get the unquestioning media, brackets pathetic, to tell the population the version of that problem you want them to believe. And you're looking at stage two for a reaction from the public. And key to that reaction is fear. Fear is the currency of control by this cult. So the reaction is do something, save us or whatever. Or even if people are reluctant, it's, well, we will accept what you're saying should happen because of the problem, because something must be done. And then at stage three, after the problem and the reaction, you then move to the solution. And this is um, changes in society openly delivered through legislation, etc. What's happening now? Uh, solutions to the problem that has been covertly created. And those solutions 
are always changes that advance this agenda to um, the Hunger Games society. And the other psychological technique, because it's all psychology, it's all manipulation of mind and perception that goes along with that is another one I've been calling since the 1990s, um, the totalitarian tiptoe. This is where you start at A, you know you're going to Z, the Hunger Games Society and the smart uh, AI control grid. But you know if you go in too big a leap, then the changes are going to be such and so fast that people are going to look up and say, what's, what's going on? What's happening? And so you go as fast as you can. You go in as big a leap as you can. Um, towards your goal, but not so big that you alert too many people to it. This is why they want to shut down the alternative media, because the alternative media is alerting people to this. And I have this phrase, um, know the outcome and you'll see the journey. You know, the, the world seems to be a series of random chance and random events and random happenings. But if you know where the world is being taken, as I've described, this centralized beyond Orwellian state, then these random events suddenly become very clear steps towards that outcome and not random uh, at all. So if you put all those things that I've said so far together and then apply them to what's happening now with this coronavirus hysteria and ask yourself if given that this coronavirus um well hysteria gives this cult everything it wants ticks every box of problem, reaction, solution, etc., and changes in society, ask yourself if, if you think that all that is just a coincidence. Um, because uh, what we're seeing unfolding, not any longer by the month or by the year, but by the hour, is the um, imposition of the very society that I've been warning about. Now, of course, um, when the hysteria dies down and this virus starts to flatline at some point, some of these measures will be rolled back. But if you look at the lessons of history, they're never rolled back to where they were before. So you've moved on. And this uh, whole um, coronavirus uh, uh, madness in so many ways um, is is allowing this Hunger Games society to advance um, so fast um, in the wake of human um, and societal uh, fear of the um, the outcome. Yeah. yeah. Well, I agree with you, David. I mean, you know, I always thought, you know, if the government was going to control, as you mentioned before, there are a very small minority of a minority. And we'll get into the Sabbatean Frankism, which is the topic of the show. And I also want to get into this a little bit about your history, because you've been doing this for 30 years. So people who may not know you should know that you've been you've been at the spear here against this whole New World Order matrix. And uh, you've been criticized by many people and laughed at and stuff like that. But people are not laughing so much as things you've been saying, although they may seem a little outlandish to people are coming true. 
So that's and another reason why I wanted you on the show, David, is because you were critical in my awakening when I read one of your books, my friend let me borrow. I think it was The Lion Sleeps No More. And it was like this big. It was like you seven. Raised it knees, yeah. yeah, it was like this big, like 780 pages. I just got out of the Marine Corps because I was in the Marine Corps. I just got out of my service. I was brainwashed boot camp. I had Jason Burmis on who did the uh, the loose change video, which also started my awakening. And then I saw your read your book and I was like, what the hell is this reality? And I just completely did a 180. I was Catholic. I stopped being religious. I stopped. Question, I started questioning my government. And it was you that introduced me to Rothschild Zionism, which I'm sure is connected to Sabbatean Frankism. We'll get into all that. It's the same thing, mate. Yeah, well, there you go. So we'll, we'll get into all that. But I think and I've always said since the government small since the since the people who rule the world are a tiny minority and they can't physically do this to us we have to do it ourselves and what better way to tell them and to even get troops to possibly fire on them is to say these people are sick with a deadly virus if they cross this line shoot them i mean that's the only way i can see in a, a patriot go i got to stop this into you know pandemic and these people I'm, unfortunately i have to shoot them down because they're sick and i don't want my family to die. that's the way i see it unfolding that's the best way because you can't really see the enemy it's a virus and you know people are getting their temperature taken how does that prove anything i don't know it could be the regular flu so in this way i think this pandemic whether it's real or not i'm sure it's somewhat real and somewhat exaggerated or mostly exaggerated is the way i think they're going to usher this uh, to take away our rights. And as you said, once we get to that point, it's almost like a physical Overton window where the, the Overton windows, political discourse, this is kind of like a physical version or once they cross that line, that totalitarian tiptoe, as you mentioned, there is no going back. There is no going to the airport and not putting your water bottle away or taking off your shoes. Now you have to do that. There's no putting them back on, you know, like you can't just walk in without, with your shoes on. So once they get to that incremental indoctrination, what I used to call it, uh, that's that's pretty much it. Life has changed. So after this pandemic ends, which I'm sure it will, probably sooner than we think, the world's going to change. Just like 9-11. Once 9-11 happened, and you've done extensive work on that, it's never been the same, right? So that's really how this is working. And, it's, and it works right in front of us, right under our noses, not even under our noses, right in front of us, as you said, in the open, in legislature, on television, and people go, okay, I don't want to die, so let's do this. Yeah, one of the things I've been pointing out all these years is that um, at its core, this conspiracy, oh, there, said it, uh, which it is, uh, global conspiracy, is based on psychology. Uh, these uh, psychopaths, actually, I wouldn't call them psychopaths so much as because the word to describe their level of psychopathy is, um, uh, uh, the, well, there probably isn't one, um, because these uh, make uh, rank-and-file psychopaths look like Mary Poppins. Um, and so what we um, are, are looking at is a, a, a deeply um, psychopathic mind that has no empathy. That's the number one trait lack of empathy of a psychopath, and these have no empathy whatsoever. Um, but what they are is very clever at manipulating human psychology. And so what problem reaction solution is actually about is manipulating fear psychology in the population. And they're looking to trigger, and my goodness me, they have in terms of this virus, 
um, the human survival mechanism, which um, actually um, is very much involved with an area at the back of the brain called the reptilian brain or the R complex. And this is constantly scanning the environment for threats to survival, not just physical survival, but survival of a job, survival of uh, a relationship, survival of, of, of everything. And it doesn't think, this is the key, the reptilian brain and the survival mechanism doesn't think it reacts. This is where this whole um, response of fight or flight comes from. It doesn't think, uh, it just reacts. And therefore, when you um, have someone walking in front of your car, um, what slams the brakes on immediately without a thought is not the thinking mind. You know, shall I, um, shall I put my brakes on? What do you think? It's bang, no thought. And that's good and that's fine and that works. But when that non-thinking survival reaction mechanism starts to take over regular life, then you have a big problem. And this cult knows that. So it's trying to uh, trigger all the time through problem reaction solution, the survival mechanism uh, and the survival reaction of humanity uh, based around uh, what seems to be in most humans, an innate fear of death and a fear of the unknown, kind of both of the same thing, really, in many ways. Um, and so what we're looking at with this coronavirus is the activation of that survival mechanism. And once that's activated, not just um, does thought go, um, so does um, empathy, so does fairness, so does justice, because the survival mechanism says, I must survive. And if me surviving... Um, means that someone else won't, then so be it, because I must survive. And so you have panic buying, where people have got piles of stuff, with it toilet bloody rolls, you know, um, and, and what have you, um, where others have nothing. Um, and and it's, it's, again, this survival of the strongest and, and whatever that, that uh, gets kicked in. So all these psychological um, survival mechanisms are being activated and but you can overcome them if you move your perception out of your survival mechanism into the conscious thinking factual mind you can start to see these things it from a completely uh, different perspective um, which you certainly can when you realize where the world is has been planned for so long to be taken and this virus scare is providing all the boxes to tick to take us there, then um, the rational mind would surely say, hold on a minute, that's not a coincidence. Yeah, and, and the thing is, I agree with you 100%. This is whether engineered, whether it's real, whether or not this is their meth. I even tweeted it a while back, you know, Tell me this is not the way the new, the new world order is going to implement its final stages. And I think this is what they're seeing. And in fact, this could just be a test run, David. It could be like, well, let's see how let's see how much they'll quarantine themselves. Let's see what they'll do. Let's see what's going on. Let's see how scared they'll be. 
And I think that's what they're doing, honestly. And uh, again, as they always say, the government will never take any crisis. Uh, they will never waste any good crisis. So here's one here. Um, but I do want to get into the topic about Sabatian Frankism and other things. I also want to get a little bit about your background because you woke me up and I want to know who woke you up and what woke you up. And also, guys, if you have any questions for David or I, you can send a super chat. And I've already have one here, David. We'll get into them um, later on because a lot of people like to ask questions during the show and I have to, you know, see if I can answer them for them. But uh, okay. let's go back in time because you've been doing this for 30 years. And, you know, I'm always curious how people wake up. So uh, tell us about yourself. You used to be a professional football player. And when I say football, I mean soccer because that's in England, right? So you were a professional yeah. football player and then something happened to you where you, I don't know what it, I, I remember reading uh, you were in like a, a mound in Peru and you got this vision or something. Can you explain yeah. what happened to you? It was, was it like a psychedelic thing or was it just a natural thing? Go ahead and tell us your, your awakening. Cause well, I'm, I'm curious. Well, just, just, just a couple of things um, uh, um, very quickly before we leave the coronavirus. Oh sure. Go ahead. Uh, Go ahead. I, I have to say, watch the vaccine because the punchline in many ways of this is going to be the vaccine and the um, attempts to impose that vaccine on everyone, uh, even through uh, mandatory vaccination. And because of this survival mechanism I talked about, um, there's gonna be a great chunk of the population is gonna be saying, yeah, make everyone take it so that I survive. Um, the fact that vaccines undermine the immune system and it's the uh, breakdown of the immune system that is, um, uh, uh, happening in those who die from this virus, where the overwhelming vast majority do not, where their immune system is um, intact and working to some um, level of efficiency. They are not. It's not the virus that's killing people. It's uh, directly. It's the um, it's the lack of immune system response. And indeed, one level of the immune system response is actually killing people. It's called the uh, cytokine um, uh, storm, which um, uh, is a, a way that the immune system gets so panicked by the fact that it can't, uh, it, it's too weak to, to meet the challenge, in this case, this virus, that it basically unleashes everything and, and kills its own body in, 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 in responding to this threat. Um, and uh, this is a well-known phenomenon. And so if your immune system is not, um, uh, strong, then this is where it leads. And, and weakened immune systems are found in older people. They don't have to be. You can, you can boost and supplement them. And in those with pre-existing conditions, um, because of those pre-existing uh, conditions, putting the immune system already under immense stress and challenge. And who is dying overwhelmingly from this virus? If you believe the official story, it is those that are old, the elderly, and those with, quote, pre-existing um, conditions. And um, when this uh, this global authority in all its forms comes out and tells people a list of things that they can do, like vitamin A, vitamin C, vitamin D3, uh, etc., to boost the immune system. 
um, then I'll take them seriously that they actually care about the population. Instead, we have a situation where authorities that treat the elderly like vermin around the world, that allow them to pay in all their working lives for a pension when their working lives are over, and that pension is pathetic so that they live out their lives wondering whether they should spend what little money they have on warmth or whether they should do it on food, where because of this situation, they have to uh, have shite food full of toxins and no nutrition, which demolishes the immune system. The authorities that do that to the elderly generation after generation are now telling us that they care so much about the elderly that they must bring in this Orwellian situation to, to protect them. So watch the vaccine, because that is one of the great punchlines of this whole, um, this whole situation. And I, I, I'd actually comment on it and watch the vaccine have a side effect, like reduce fertility or something, you know, like some other catch, like reduce fertility, you know, have a side effect that makes women unable to bear children. Who knows what it could be if there's that end game, which they're trying to get the vaccine passed. And I, well, it's real. It's real simple. Um, there's two ways to get into the human body um, on a mass scale, and that's the water supply and vaccinations. Mm -hmm. yeah. So um, th th this is uh, uh, coming at a time where there has been this great pressure now building up and building up year after year, now month after month, to introduce mandatory vaccinations. Yep. Um, and, 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 and this suddenly appears and, and, and oh, yeah, we're mandatory vaccinations. Oh, we've got to have that. And the other, th the other kind of um, uh, solution to this, quote, problem it's going to be more and more um, surveillance and tracking uh, this time. Oh, to see if someone has a temperature or whatever. Uh, so um, there are so many things. Oh, uh, yeah. They even want to look at our they, they want to get our private text messages now. They, they're passing a law right now. Or they're trying to to get into our privacy. So, so I don't know. Well, in Israel, in Israel, they've changed the law. So that they are uh, allowed to get access to data and they're allowed to use officially, legally, um, smartphones to track the population. Um, uh, uh, the, uh, all over the world, um, these um, draconian measures are coming in. And, and, you know, it's something that I've noticed, uh, uh, not by accident, over the 30 years, mate, as I've been traveling, um, even you know, further back when this wasn't so obvious. Uh, and that's how the same solutions, even the same legislation, almost written word for word, appears in different parts of the world around the same time, justified by the same, well, here we go, um, problem. But anyway, going on to, to what you said, sorry if I'm going off the question there. No, it's okay, there, Jim. It's, it's okay. I just, wanted to get, I just wanted to get that across because... The vaccine is 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 the the where this is leading in many ways. And the other thing, just very quickly, 
that I think this is about, and I think this, the legacy of what is happening will probably be the most profound, and that is economics. Another area that um, I've been uh, warning about for um, all these decades, and particularly since the crash of 2008, is that um, a massive financial crash was planned. I mean, people can read all about this in the books uh, going back, not just pulling this out of the air. Um, and um, if you look at the climate change hoax, um, one of the um, solutions to that no problem um, is a transformation of the global economy to save the world from uh, catastrophe. Uh, and here you have now, as a result of what is happening, the, um, the crashing, that's what it is, of the world economy with particular emphasis on who? On small businesses, individual businesses, even medium-sized businesses, a few big businesses, yes, but not the big global cult corporations. They're the ones that are going to go under. And as I've said in the books over the years, the plan for this Hunger Games society is to get rid of all business uh, that is owned by the population so that the cult corporations control everything. Look what they're doing with Amazon, for instance. And, and so um, here we have another byproduct of this coronavirus uh, problem, um, which is absolutely from the wish list of this cult, which is um, overturning the world economy and destroying smaller, medium and um, individual businesses. And it's going to do something else. As those businesses fall, so people are going to and are already losing their jobs in great numbers. There's going to be vast numbers of people worldwide lose their jobs because their employers will no longer be employing them. And where are they going to go then? They're going to fall into the lower levels of the Hunger Games society. And this is um, when you understand where they're going and what they want to achieve, then the world suddenly ceases to be a bewildering series of randomness and becomes an open book. And, and in so many ways, this what is happening now is pulling together all of these different strands. And like you mentioned, everything here, it seems to be predicted in the sense, uh, not predicted, premeditated. So as you've been saying, you've been in this game for 30 years. That's why I wanted to go back in time right. and we'll discuss that. Your, your awakening, because you woke me up and millions of others and from a laughing stock at one point from the Joe Rogan, Joe Wogan show. Remember, I remember your video there that people were laughing at you because you came to this basic realization that I think you were saying you were the son of God, which I believe was from a Hindu sense. Like, you know, we're all God. Yeah, yeah. It was it was, it was a, an aspect of, of a whole. Yes, exactly. Right? And they were laughing. And then what I what I call today a point of attention within yes. an infinite stream right. of consciousness. And, yeah. that, and that's kind of like a Hindu 
Taoist philosophy, and they took yeah, it. Yeah, kind of, but I, I don't do religion. I don't oh, right, do organize. Right, right. I don't do labels. Right. So, and then to now, where you're selling, you're packing, you know, pack stadiums, sold out tickets, people coming to see nine hour seminars. Okay. So, you know, it's interesting how you transform. So, you were a soccer player. I think you were a goalie, correct? And then, right, yeah. And then you stopped doing that. And I think you were a sports com. You were a sports commentator. So tell us a little about yourself, and then I want to know what got you awakened. So that's what I really want to know, and uh, go from there and, and your experience until today. Go ahead. Well, I was. I, I'll, I'll make. I'll make it brief. Um, I, I was. Um, I was born on a, what we call in Britain a council estate in Leicester, um, in um, 1952, and um, I know people will be shocked by that because I look so virile and. <laughs> Uh, but um, 1952, 68 years ago nearly, and um, I um, was always someone who um, wouldn't respect authority because it was authority. I would respect its behavior, not its existence in its, for its own sake. So I've always been a rebel ever since I was a kid. I was a rebel at school. Um, and um, I had this feeling, even when I was a small kid, that I'd come to do something. I didn't know what it was, but it was a very clear feeling. I've come to do something. Um, and I thought it was to be a footballer because when I was a kid, that was my great love playing soccer. I mean, you call it football in America. Why do you call it football when I don't people are there? Oh, they ever kick the ball? No, it makes no sense. Should be throw ball, shouldn't it? Yeah, should be but something anyway, else. <laughs> I, um, I uh, then um, left school at fifteen and never took a major exam. Thank you, God. Um, and um, went about my own life as a footballer. But then rheumatoid arthritis finished my career at twenty-one. And when I was growing up, um, I, I, my other love, um, apart from football, was journalism. I was read newspapers, a lot of newspapers and stuff. So I decided I was going to go into journalism. And it's a long story. I started to say I started at the bottom was was would be the great understatement. Um, I mean, the newspaper I started on was just about read by the people that wrote it. You know what I mean? Um, I said in one of my uh, one of my books, you know, I, I was, it wasn't so much Watergate as uh, Cowan Gate because um, I used to um, have to go to the um, the local store in villages to ask the people, uh, you know, worked at the store, is anything going on in the village? You know, they called it journalism, but only just. But I did then progress quite rapidly and eventually uh, became a a news journalist with the BBC and then a, a sports journalist as well. Uh, and then during the 1980s, I was getting very concerned about the environment uh, and what was what was happening. And I um, I wanted to do something about it. So I joined the National Green Party in Britain and uh, a, a ludicrous story. In a matter of weeks, I went from joining the local uh, well, actually starting a local party here where I live on Isle of Wight, just off the south coast of England. I went from doing that to being a national spokesman for the Green Party in a matter of weeks. It was insane, but it was just synchronicity of life and quote coincidence allowed that to happen. Uh, and I didn't I didn't stay very long because I other things were happening to me. Uh, and um, I, I, I I didn't like well all the politics that was going on and all the infighting. But I was so, you know, fr from from that perspective, when I look back at my life, all the things that happened to me 
before I started doing this 30 years ago, have actually been essential to what I'm doing. And when I look at this, you know, this climate cult and this uh, global warming um, hoax and all the rest of it, where we've turned um, the gas of life, CO2, which without which we'd all be dead, into um, a, a dangerous pollutant. I mean, that's just insane. Uh, but but anyway, that, that, that's the way psychology, uh, manipulation of psychology works. But I'm so glad because that my, my time with the Green Party and in that environment gave me such an insight into the into the mentality, the psychology that's behind this climate cult. Uh, um, well, tyranny, really, that's um, that's unfolding, which is ironically, again, is controlled by the one percent. Uh, and so. What moved me out of journalism, uh, well, mainstream journalism, and out of the whole green arena was that some very strange things suddenly started happening to me. They 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 began um, in um, the year um, leading up to uh, March 1990. And what it was started, you know, mildly to to begin with and then as the year unfolded became very very powerful and tangible and it was that when I was in a room alone um, it felt like I wasn't alone it felt like there was a presence there there was something there and like I say it got more and more powerful as this year unfolded and it, it, I ended up I, I won't go into it all now but it was a long story I, I ended up through a series of coincidences um, in um, in the front room of a professional psychic. And um, she starts getting uh, psychic um, stuff for me. Uh, this is March 1990. I'm then still a national spokesman for the Green Party in Britain. I'm still a national sports uh, presenter, what you call anchor in America, with the BBC. And she starts telling me that I'm going to go out on a world stage and reveal great secrets. And a stream of things that seemed at the time outlandish, but something in here thought, I don't know why, but this feels right to me. And one of the lines she came out with was, um, one man cannot change the world, but one man can communicate the message that will change the world. And that I was going to go out, I would face enormous opposition, but quote, they would always be there to protect me. Um, and what happened, of course, is that eventually I started talking about this in public and I went on the, the, the Wogan show, the Terry Wogan show, which was absolutely massive in those days. In 2001, it was massive uh, audience, prime time. Uh, Joe Rogan, by the way, not Joe uh, Wogan, but Joe Rogan. <laughs> Uh, he's, he's never had me on. I don't know why I talk about all the subjects he talks about. But anyway, um, and um, the reaction of the public from that Wogan interview was just historic in its ridicule and it's um, the mass laughter. And for years after that interview, I couldn't go down any street in Britain or into a bar or anywhere, literally, without being laughed at and ridiculed on a, a considerable scale. But as I said earlier, you know, my 
life has been a sequence of experience which has given me everything that I have needed to do what I do now. And what that mass ridicule gave me was freedom from the fear of what other people think. See, most people, and it all goes back into this psychology, mate, this manipulation of human psychology. Most people um, uh, don't live their own life. Uh, they live a version of what they think other people believe their life should be. And this comes from the fear of what other people think. We've seen this massively uh, increased through social um, media. And if you are concerned all the time with what other people think, what you're going to do is you're going to censor yourself and you're going to present yourself and what you say and do in a way you think is not going to attract condemnation, laughter or whatever from other people. When you are going through, as I did, historic levels of ridicule, um, wherever you go, uh, turn the television on and a com comedian only has to say my name to get uproarious laughter, no joke necessary. Um, then you one of two things happens. You either go under and and disappear from society or you do what I did, which to say, was to say, sod it, laugh all you like. I'm saying and doing it anyway. And, you know, you, you can put iron through the fire and, and it becomes um, stronger. And so I didn't know at the time that all this was going on, that I was going to later in my life be talking about far out subjects that were going to attract uh, ridicule and condemnation for which most people would have said, I'm not saying that. I know what people will say. Well, because I went through that mass ridicule and I was cleaned out of that concern about what other people think, then when I get information that I'm confident is true, then I'll pass it on. Not thinking about what will the response or the reaction or the attitude to me be. There's no concern to me whatsoever. I'm not after a, a round of applause or a statue. I'm after the truth of what's going on so that we can stop what's going on uh, reaching its um, planned um, outcome. And so what, I, what, I, uh, what happened um, from the moment I left that psychic's front room is that my life became an extraordinary and still today synchronistic series of quote coincidences that have put into my life information um, in an order most of the time that makes it most easy to assimilate and to put it in the puzzle pieces in place um, that has um, opened up a, a, a vast panorama of society which um, involves not just the world of the seen but also the world of the unseen where ultimately this reality our world is manipulated from because this cult is not just operating in the human world in and of itself it is a vehicle to impose upon human society the will of 
shall we say, unseen forces that operate outside the ludicrously narrow band of human visual sight, we see a fraction of what there is to see, what scientists call visible light, which is so small, that's all we can see, it's all our visual reality is with invisible light, and it is a tiny band of frequency compared with what exists um, um, beyond it. And so when I talk about this cult being a satanic cult that takes part in satanic ritual and interacts with its um, perceived demonic, quote, gods and has done since way back, these demonic gods, which are mentioned in cultures and um, legends and accounts in all the different cultures of the world under different names, that is ultimately um, what's manipulating human society and this cult that operates in the shadows in our world, but also publicly, um, is um, simply the vehicle, the imposition vehicle upon humanity of this unseen force. In my view, David, because uh, I've read all your books, not all of them, but I've read your books and I've seen your videos and you discuss the reptilians and the draconians. And a lot of people say, what? That's ridiculous. Lizards control the world. They always do that straw man. But at the same time, there are billions of human beings who believe in demons, ghosts, goblins, like literally like angels, which to me, if my view is I'm a pantheist, so I believe that everything is one. So whether it's supernatural or natural, to me, it's the same thing. We just don't know it yet. Yep. So exactly. there could be entities which exist in the frequencies you mentioned, uh, other frequencies that do exist and we can't measure them or they're physical sure. beings. It does, whether they're aliens, ghosts, goblins, all, all I say is this. I say to people now at this point, because people always argue me, what do you believe, Angelus, the Illuminati? Is it the Jews? It's this. I say, look, I don't care if it's robots. These are bad people. I don't care if they're aliens. I don't care if they're shapeshifters. I don't care if they're androids. <laughs> I, they're evil. And that's what really matters. And they have an agenda, which we can see. So I know people have criticized you for the reptilian stuff. Uh, yeah, and I, and, I, and I don't care because yeah. I what I do is I let the information be my guide. Right. And where the information takes me, I go. Um, and if that's into areas that um, other people uh, won't go, um, or think are crazy by reflex action because it's different, then um, then so be it. Because I'm going, um, I'm going anyway. And I would say this to people: please don't judge possibility by the limits of your perception of the possible. They're not the same thing. And one of the the massively important, profound and foundation ways that humanity is controlled and enslaved through perceptual manipulation is by holding people in a narrow, pathetically narrow band of the sense of the possible. Um, if you look at human life from cradle to grave, it is a download it is a download of perception via a download of information. You, um, you are born in, into a world with parents and the vast majority of those parents will have been through the system you're about to go through and 
taking it on board, it becomes their normal, what I call the postage stamp consensus, this narrow band of the possible that is downloaded throughout our lives. And your parents, not through malevolence, but because they've accepted this is how things are, because they've been through the sausage machine, they then start passing them on to you from the earliest age. Very quickly, I mean, you've only just come into the bloody world. And in three, four years now, you're sitting at a desk and an authority figure representing the state is telling you when you must be there, when you can leave, when you can eat, when you can go to the toilet. You've only got it, just got here. How you can think, what you should think, all that. Yeah. Downloading this perception, what I call the postage stamp consensus. And this goes on all the way through your formative years, through school, through college and university. And you, you get given exams to pass, which are testing you on how much of the download you've absorbed, basically. And then you go out into the world. You go out into journalism, into politics, into medicine, into science, into academia. And you meet people there who've been through what you've just been through, but earlier. And they're all confirming to you that your download of reality, postage stamp normal, is how things are. Then anyone that steps off the postage stamp and starts to explore beyond it, then they are by reflex action called mad, bad or dangerous, i.e. my own experience. Um, and that peer pressure... Uh, gets a lot of people to stay on the postage stamp who really would like to step off it. And when you're, you're people like me, and, you know, I'm not alone, and more and more people all the time as the uh, people start to awaken from this trance, um, you step off the postage stamp. But I didn't step off the postage stamp. I sprinted off the bloody thing. And, and I'm still running. Um, and, and then you start to see the normal in the ludicrous clarity that it is and it becomes ridiculous to you and you start to see things you uh, that that when you are in the postage stamp on the postage stamp and of the postage stamp you couldn't see but when you step off the postage stamp and look at it from another perspective uh, it becomes painfully obvious um, um, what's going on so if you um, are saying anything that's different outside this narrow band of normal, then of course you're going to get um, ridiculed or condemned. Um, the, the, the trick is not to care. Because um, what I found in my own experience is if you don't apologize for what you're doing, if you don't apologize for what you're saying, if you just keep saying it and you don't stop and say, I must defend myself, how can you say that about me? I don't care what you say about me. I'm keeping going. When you do that, um, and if what you say has validity, then eventually it will be shown to be so. And suddenly, and this is what's happened to me, um, especially in recent years, is that so many of those people that laughed in my face are now reading my books. Yeah. So um, this is what happens. We have to keep going and not allow ourselves to be subject to the worst kind of censorship of all, and that's self-censorship. Because self-censorship has no debate about what should be censored, no debate about whether something should be allowed, i.e. everything, every opinion should be allowed. Right. Um, 
there's no no um there's no debate you just you never say it so it's never discussed and it has to be discussed and therefore it needs to be said for that to happen yeah i mean i have a similar experience to you after i woke up to rothschild zionism i naturally became a criticism of israel and what i considered were jewish people which now you'll explain it's not all of them which is the case but you learn this the hard way because then the ADL jumps on to you, the SPLC. I've been called all these neo-Nazis. We've all been called the same thing for questioning Israel and other people like that. And uh, there's a trap to it, too. The I, I believe the ADL creates Nazis out of thin air. I, I think they take a normal person who has legit criticism of Israel and go, he's a Nazi. And then they make money. They scare Jewish people to pay them and stuff like we'll get into all that. But uh, another question I have about yourself is this as. Has any of the views that you've held before, because I know you've done a lot of research for 30 years, has any of them changed at all? Or are they still the same uh, or you know, have they evolved or anything? Oh, well, they, they've evolved. And, and if they if they hadn't, then what have I been doing? Well, I'm saying uh, from your research, like, for example, the yeah, moon yeah, that's, and, what, that, yeah. that's that's that, that's what I mean. OK, but if, if but if I go back, um, you know, decades what I'm saying now is in theme just the same. It's just that I now know more. I know more detail than uh, I did then because I've done 30 years of research since then. But the, the themes uh, from the earliest times to now are exactly the same. It's just that um, the detail has been added and added and added and added. And as, and as you do that, you obviously um, understand um, what's happening in more and more um, depth. And the other thing that happens is that as you um, you go on this um, this journey of discovery, you start to see what really matters against what's interesting. So you, you, you would find things earlier on. Oh, that's interesting. That's fascinating. Oh, my goodness. Uh, and you talk about them and you write about them. But the, but as you go forward and forward and forward, you start to sift out not what was not what's irrelevant, but you sift out what's interesting from what is absolutely vital for people to know. And so you become more and more focused in the information that you um, you communicate so I've just finished a book now. I've literally just finished it. It's going to come out soon, which is going to include this whole coronavirus um, situation as well as enormous amounts of other things. Um, and it is an extremely focused book on what absolutely really matters and what people really need to know now. So that that's what's changed, but not not the thrust of the theme, no. Okay, good. Yeah, I was just curious because I know myself uh, through my research throughout the years, going through every rabbit hole possible, a lot of my theories changed. And then I eventually said, you know what? I don't even care about the details. The same theme applies. There's still evil people controlling the world, manipulating the masses of people to do whatever they want to do with their power. But let's get to the, the, the topic of the show, which is Sabbatean Frankism. And one of yeah. my litmus tests to see if people are on the right track, in my opinion, is if they, could, if they criticize Israel and, and criticize certain groups that are not allowed to be criticized. And you have been doing that. In fact... For, when I read your book, you mentioned Rothschild Zionism, and that really yeah. was like, okay, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole, and this goes down to World War II and all this other stuff and yeah. crazy rabbit holes. And, um, you know, so that's my litmus. If someone does not talk about these people, 
then I'm like, well, there's some, they're missing. Either they're misleading it on purpose or they just don't know. But you certainly know because I've seen your tweets. I'm always retweeting you about Israel because they play a crucial role in this new world order. And uh, with the building of the third temple and all these weird messianic prophecies they want to fulfill and all that stuff. But yep. so let's go in. What, what is Sabbatean Frankism? Because that's the first time I heard it was from you. So if you can go ahead and explain what that is. Well, yeah. Let me say also that a lot a lot of my information about Sabbatean Frankism comes from Jewish sources. Uh, there, there are people in the Jewish community who have understood that they have been hijacked by this cult, which actually hates Jewish people. Uh, I mean, this is the um, irony. Um, the way that this cult works and this Sabbatean Frankism is a fundamentally important part of the global cult in general. Um, the way it works is through infiltration. Um, it infiltrates through hacking into computer systems on that level, but it infiltrates by appearing to be what they're not. So, for instance, when this cult um, hijacks the Jewish community, it promotes itself, behaves and speaks as if it is of the Jewish community. Um, the same with the Islamic community, the same with the Roman uh, Catholic uh, Vatican community. They appear to be of the religion or of the culture or of the nation that they um, appear to be part of when actually they're all um, masks on the same face that are manipulating those religions and communities to a global end. So um, what they do is when they've infiltrated communities or religions, they then manipulate themselves into positions of power. Um, and you'll see them in um, a public situation where they might be appearing to be in opposition with each other. They might be appearing to be arguing with each other, to stand for very different things. But behind the scenes, they're actually um, agents for the same agenda. Simple thing. If you want to control a football match, or a soccer match, um, to the point where you know the result before the game starts, it's no good controlling one side. Uh, you'll influence the game, but you won't know the score before it starts. But if you control both sides and the referee, you know what the score is going to be before the game starts. And this is the way this cult um, operates. And you have to be very canny um, and very streetwise and very researched to um, to pick through this web, this tapestry of deceit. So if we go back to the 1600s, the 17th century, there was a, a man emerged called um, Sabbatai Zevi, who claimed to be um, the Jewish Messiah. Because there is this legend of um, a Messiah that will come right. and will rule the world from Israel. Um, now, this Sabbatean Frankist cult, very quickly, um, is um, pushing an agenda that seeks to lead to that. 
Now, it's my view that at the inner core of this cult, they know it's a load of old crap. But in appearing to make prophecy and biblical prophecy um, happen, um, you pull in lots of people who are not part of the cult, don't even know there is a cult, to support you and press for what um, you want because they believe that it's prophecy unfolding. You know, the whole Christian Zionist movement in America is based on believing biblical prophecy, which is why they're so focused on Israel. So anyway, this um, Sabbatai Azevi claimed to be the Jewish Messiah, and he had a, a, a massive uh, uh, following for its time. And then the Sultan of the Ottoman Empire, Islamic Ottoman Empire, where he was operating, um, basically gave him a choice of converting to Islam or they'd sort him out. So he did. And a lot of his followers, not all, but a lot of his followers converted to um, to Islam and started to apparently encompass the Islamic religion. But behind the scenes, they were following the religion not of Judaism, but of Sabbateanism, as it was called then. Um, and Sabbateanism invert, inverts everything. So what it did was take the Jewish religion, and where there was a Jewish religious um, fast day, in Sabbateanism it would be a feast day. You, you get the, um, the picture. Everything was inverted. And it became a satanic cult um, operating behind the scenes. So these followers of Zevi who converted to Islam but didn't really, they um, were known as Donme, which means to turn, to turn religions. But actually they didn't. And this Sabbateanism started to expand and it really struck, um, you know, the, 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 the sprint began in the next century, the 18th century, when along came a man called um, uh, Jacob Frank. And Jacob Frank claimed to be the reincarnation of Zevi, i.e. the Jewish Messiah, and uh, the reincarnation of the biblical patriarch Jacob. And Frank really started this um, expansion of the Donme principle of infiltrating different religions and different societies, taking them over. He really focused, for instance, on infiltrating and hijacking um, Roman Catholicism through the Vatican. Um, and he, he did something else. He was a um, became a close associate of Mayor Amstel Rothschild. Mm -hmm. Mayor Amstel Rothschild was the founder of the Rothschild dynasty. The family up to that point, uh, which was an occult family, um, was called Bauer. And he changed it to Rothschild, which means red shield in 
uh, German, where they lived in Frankfurt at the time. And um, it referred to uh, uh, the Star of David that was on the, um, actually the Seal of Solomon, from a Sabbatean Frankist point of view, that was um, on, um, on the Rothschild House in, uh, in Frankfurt. And Jacob Frank and Mayor Amstel Rothschild, who became a Sabbatean, it became known as Sabbatean Frankism then, got together with um, a front man called Adam Weishaupt to create the Bavarian Illuminati in 1776. And the Sabbatean Frankist cult, death cult, satanic cult, um, its holy book is the, um, the Kabbalah, a particular version of the Kabbalah, and particularly um, a, a, a work of the Kabbalah um, uh, called the Zohar. And Zohar means radiance or illumination, which is where um, the inspiration, no doubt, of Illuminati came from. And illumination means illuminated into a wider understanding of reality in the simplest terms. And this cult understands how reality works. It understands how mind and perception interact with reality to create experience. It knows that if it can hijack the um, perception of the population, it will dictate their experience, not just um, uh, through perception becoming experience in the way I described earlier, but literally through, um, if you like, the law of physics, as it really is, that your perceptions become your experience reality so it knows that if it can get control of the perception of the target population it will control experience uh in so many uh, ways and i go into this in the books in a very deep uh, uh way and it can be explained uh, very simply anyway um what the um sabbatean frankists then did was um start to infiltrate a wider and wider part of the world and it was Sabbatean Frankism that was behind um, the creation of Zionism, mm -hmm. which is not a race. It is a political philosophy. Yeah. And um, it was um, Sabbatean Frankism. I go into this um, in my latest book, The Trigger, where I show that Sabbatean Frankists were behind 9-11 and not 19 Arab hijackers. And I tell the story of Sabbatean Frankism as part of this um, exposure of the real perpetrators of 9-11. Uh, and uh, so they were also, as I talk about in the book, um, were behind um, Hitler and the Nazis, etc. And then they created um, Israel. Um, uh, and it was a, uh, a creation that pulled in large numbers of Jewish people who were believing in Israel from the point of view of, um, of, of biblical texts, etc., um, and had no idea that it was being orchestrated by this um, cult. And the reason that Israel, um, with an, around an 8 million population, in a world fast approaching 8 billion, has so much influence uh, on the world is because of this cult. Um, and 
I have a chapter in the trigger called Atlantic Crossing, which is about how this cult moved in on America. And in true Sabbatean Frankist infiltration uh, technique um, of um, takeover, it infiltrated the Pentagon, which it's taken over. It infiltrated the intelligence community like the CIA, the National Security Agency and so on. And it infiltrated American politics big time. And if you look at this vast network of apparently Israeli Zionist organizations in America, like APAC and its vast network of organizations, massively funded, um, what you're looking at is different dots, different strands in this Sabbatean Frankist web. And again, most people in these organizations won't know that there's a cult, only the inner core. The rest will think that what they're doing is for the benefit of Israel. Uh, and uh, so it was through this infiltration of the intelligence and military and political um, systems in America that they pulled off 9-11. And that's why, um, as I expose in detail in the book, and another guy, uh, Christopher Bolin, has done tremendous research on this over the years in America, uh, that um, the ratio of what I would call ultra-extreme Zionists and positions of power before, during, and after, in terms of the cover-up, of 9-11 is absolutely breathtakingly staggering. And this brings us round to um, a, a topical happening now, which is the um, expansion, the massive expansion being accepted by governments and political parties and institutions and universities and states in America of a, an expanded version of anti-Semitism. The irony is anti-Semitism actually means anti-Arab in truth because um, Semitism relates to a group of languages in the Middle East, the overwhelmingly vast majority of which are Arabic languages. Um, so even the term anti-Semitism is a misnomer, but it's used as, well, you well know, I well know, so many other people well know, to um, demonize and discredit anyone who is challenging the behavior of the Israeli government. Not, you know, the, the Jewish people. I say in the trigger, no one needs to read that book more than the Jewish uh, community of the world to see how they're being scammed by this cult. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm interviewed um, a few times a year by two lovely uh, Jewish guys out of Israel who can see, um, you know, what's happening. And, you, you know, you talk to them. You know, people say, oh, the, the Jews, they get three point eight billion from the American government. No, they don't. The Sabbatean Frankist elite get that to spend on their armaments and their um, massively expanding, ever expanding cyber space control um, and so many Jewish people in Israel 
a country that is vastly rich, my God, for its size, um, live lives of deprivation and um, and poverty. Not talk about the Palestinians even beyond that. So the, the, when people say it's the Jews, they are playing into the hands of the Sabbatee and Frankists who then say, see, you're an anti-Semite. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so um, and, and that's something that just just people need to need to grasp and start to change the language, because the last people I'm exposing and condemning is the Jewish community in general. I'm condemning uh, and exposing that cult operating within them that has scammed them and has, is posing as their leaders, not just their political leaders, but Mossad, uh, the um, intelligence, uh, infamous intelligence network, and Shin Bet, the uh, domestic um, Israeli intelligence uh, network, and the uh, Israeli military in general. Those people that control all that are not... Um, Jewish people who, who are following, if you like, the Jewish religion, they are Sabbatee and Frankist members of this um, uh, cult. And uh, so what you're um, uh, looking at, and the same happens in Britain and in other European countries, you're um, looking at this um, expansion of the definition of anti-Semitism to include what now? Criticism of Israel. How can you have a definition of um, uh, w which should read something like this. Um, if you want to use the misnomer anti-Semitism, a, a very uh, fair definition would be hatred of Jewish people because they are Jewish, like hatred of black people because they are black. Yeah, these, these, these are very simple, profound and accurate definitions. Um, but now we have a situation where criticizing um, a government is somehow, quote, racist, as they claim, to the point where um, speakers at American universities are being banned from speaking unless they take a pledge of allegiance, in effect, to Israel. So then you ask the question, how can this tiny country on this sliver of land in the Middle East have the kind of power that has universities in America, the supposedly, you know, superpower, say that people can't speak there unless they pledge allegiance to Israel. Where does that power come from? Answer, the Sabbatean Frankist cult. That's where it comes from. And that's why, and people are shocked when I give these figures, but they are accurate. When I say to people, how many Jewish people do you think there are in the world? You know, they'll, they'll say 500 uh, uh, million or million or 2 million or, you know, even more, I've heard people say. Um, and actually, um, it's, um, it's around 60 million, a, a mean figure. Yeah. Which, which works out at about 0.2% of the world population. 0.2% of people uh, uh, in the world are Jewish. Now, look at the power of Israel. Now, how do you equate 0.2% of the population with that 
apparent apparent power let me emphasize that apparent power because the vast majority of the 0.2 percent don't have that power uh, how do you equate the massive influence of ultra zionist um representatives in america from a jewish population of two percent how do you equate that how you equate that is this sabbatean frankist cult that's the key to understanding where this power comes from and and what they're doing is leading the jewish community into a nightmare as much as they are the rest of the world but they hide behind the jewish community to allow it to happen and to defend themselves from exposure so if you look at currently what's happening in israel in relation to the coronavirus they are treating their population with the same draconian measures at even more in some cases than we're seeing at the moment uh in other parts of the world so we we need to get away from it's the jews it's not it's this um cult that hides behind the jewish community and uses it as essential cover to stop its exposure and the other thing that i would mention uh, before I, I i i stop is that again if you follow the the story through you find that these donma these um people that were posing as islamic while being sabbatean at the time of zevi if you follow that through it takes you to the saudi arabian royal family they too are sabbatean frankists and that's why they act as they do and that's why um, they've always been in the background as i've been saying for so long uh bosom buddies of the israeli elite and now it's becoming through this um uh, this um crown prince mohammed bin salman of saudi arabia is running the place now uh that since he came to um to power it's become more obvious this closeness um even in um in public and the saudi arabian royal family they're not royal really it's all fake um were put into power by essentially the british empire which was a sabbatean frankist operation yeah and um this is why when people go on about oh it's the, the it's 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 the the british the british that are behind this yeah through the sabbatean frankists um and uh so you follow the story again and you look at the creation of Wahhabism. Yep, I was about to ask Wahhabism, about the, the, the um, extreme version of Islam yes. that, that, that comes out of where? Saudi Arabia. That is funded by who? Saudi Arabia. And it is used as a way of terrifying the population, both of the world and uh, particularly the Western world and of the Arab world, which creates another problem reaction solution, which allows you to impose greater control of society to save, protect, brackets, 
think coronavirus from terrorism. This is how it all fits. The guy that Wahhabism was named after was a Sabbatean Frankist. So um, that, that was got together with the House of Saud by the British Empire. So um, this, this is where it all fits and why um, there is this global cult of which Sabbatean Frankism is a phenomenally important part in, 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 in so many ways predominant now. Um, that um, that is behind these events that appear to be random. They're not. Yeah, and it's interesting you say um, the British Empire even created Israel in a sense. Lord Jacob Rothschild. One hundred percent. He wrote a letter to the. But you, you you already know this Balfour Declaration. So they created Israel, and uh, clearly in Israel, because a lot of people, because I was in the camp of you know almost to be a white nash. I, I, when I woke up to this global world order, I went to World War Two. I read Mein Kampf. I wanted to see why did Hitler hate the Jews. Why is this da da da? And I read his stuff, and he basically said they're controlling the banks, they control the media, they control. And some of this is true. And you would say they're the Sabbatean Frankists. And I noticed in my own life, living... well, there is there is there is evidence which I yes. which I, I do I quote in the in the book that that the Hitler was actually a Sabbatean. It could, I, I don't know him personally, but yeah, I, I mean, you know, the thing is, because of this inversion, you know, and an infiltration. Um, you 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 have to be very people have to be very careful that they don't judge someone to be something because they appear to be that something. They could actually be uh, a Sabbatean infiltrator that's leading uh, a, a country into a certain situation that otherwise it, it uh, um, would not um, have been um, have been led. But just very quickly. Um, uh, it, it's, it's an important point. You mentioned there um, the British creation of um, of Israel in the land that was previously Palestine. I explained that all that background in the trigger. But just just on this one point, towards the end of the um, the nineteenth century, um, sorry, the yeah the the the, uh, the, the end of the nineteen hundreds. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, the um, there was a, a uh, secret society created in London called the Round Table that was fronted up by a Rothschild frontman, big time, called Cecil, Cecil Rhodes. He was the one that plundered the gold and diamond uh, diamonds of um, Southern Africa for the Rothschilds uh, and allowed the British Empire to take over Southern Africa. That was that was um, Cecil Rhodes, the first head of this secret society, the Round Table, based in London. Now, the Round Table was funded by the House of Rothschild. And um, it had different circles because everything's compartmentalized. And an inner circle member of this um, Round Table was Lord Arthur Balfour, Foreign Secretary during the First World War, after after which the Balfour Declaration is named, which was a declaration by the British government to recognize Palestine as a homeland for Jewish people. That Balfour Declaration sounds like he stood up in Parliament or something and declared that. No, no. It was a letter, a letter from Lord Arthur Balfour, 
inner circle member of the round table, what we what I would call today Sabatian Frankist round table. And that letter was to Lord Rothschild, funder of the round table. And so um, the very declaration that started the process of the creation of Israel came from a Sabbatean Frankist um, secret society in which one member sent a letter to another member, which, of course, in public looked very different. So uh, it's um, the world starts to look um, very, very, uh, again, different when you realize the forces behind it and how those forces work. Yeah, I mean, um, in the history of World War II, because I want to bring this up, because I do agree with you in a sense that, for example, the rise of Adolf Hitler, I don't know if he was an agent or not, and to me it doesn't matter, because I've read his works, and I've read why he hated the Jewish people, and I've read from rabbis who recently read Mein Kampf and said, wow, he hated us because we were communists, and the communist revolution, this and that, the banking and all that in media. And if you look today and you see certain people in power, you will see these who you would call Sabbatean Frankists because they're not the regular Jewish people with the curls and the hats. They're just these normal, integrated, so-called Jewish people who control these things. And that was the same thing this man was saying in the 30s. And I think, and he did make a deal with the Zionists, by the way, the the Havara Transfer Agreement. I'm sure you know about that. So it's possible, even if he wasn't that, that they knew he would react that way. In other words, these these people if he was an agent or not, would be irrelevant. He probably did love Germany, as he said, and wanted to fight these banking cartels. And they knew that reaction, just like they set up these pandemics. They know we're going to self-quarantine. So to me, yeah. I don't get into details about who was what, because I've seen people, there's a there's a whole video called uh, The Greatest Story Never Told, Adolf Hitler, and people go, and he was the good guy fighting the world order and whatever. There's all these different theories. And I've said, you know what, I don't care. All I know is I see these re- I see the, the results. What happened in World War Two? You see the results, exactly. and, and I'm not. I'm not saying he was or he wasn't. Yeah, you, All I'm saying is that um, if we if we're not going to get scammed, we should we yeah. should look at take all possibilities into account before we start jumping right. and saying that's how it and is. I do want to mention with Jewish people, because then when I was reading this research, naturally I'm like, wow, these Jewish people they're really controlling the world. But I've lived in New Jersey my whole life, David, and in, in, in USA. And I'm surrounded by people who've always been Jewish in my whole life. And these were people who don't even know anything about Israel. They don't know what's going on. They don't care. They're not the Zionist banking cartel member or at the tables or the other. These are normal people. And I realized that organizations like the ADL that push these narratives scare them into submission. Exactly. No different than I was duped going into Iraq. Because I believe exactly. I believe nine eleven. Exactly. What's happening what's happening with coronavirus frightening the population? So you can so you control them. That's exactly what this cult does with um, the Jewish population. It has to keep them in fear. I watched an uh, uh, an absolutely tragic video, um, and it was by a Jewish guy, and he went and talked in Israel to young Jewish people um, who'd been through the education system and all that stuff, and I remember one clip. Of, of a girl, a Jewish girl, who said to him, um, you know, we know the world hates us and we have to um, stick together. And that was tragic because the world doesn't hate them. This is this is I mean, there'll be there'll be some, but the world absolutely ridiculous. But 
this is how they're programmed from the earliest age to believe that they have to 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 support and gather behind the leadership brackets Sabatier and Frankie's cult in um, disguise um, for protection. So wherever you look, you, you, as we talk today, we're actually seeing different expressions of exactly the same technique and and Jewish people are being scammed like crazy. And of course, they take this is the irony and a Sabatier and Frankie's cult couldn't care less. Um, they take the consequences because people do equate what the Sabbatee and Frankists do in the name hiding behind Israel and the Jewish community, they do equate that with the Jewish community. And so they they uh, get tarred with the same thing. And um, most of them are not involved at all. They've just got scammed into believing that these cultist leaders actually are genuinely Jewish and um want the best for them yeah and, and the thing is david when when the nazis took power it wasn't these big time sabbatean frankist types that went to jail it was regular people going to camps so the so the very population oh, yeah. that these people Absolutely. that's what i'm saying people forget because angelo it's the jews man you read this book so i said yeah i get it but they're programmed no different than i was programmed or you were programmed or other people throughout our entire lives it's the us versus them tribalist mentality that they program and divide and conquer humanity. That's the only way they can do it. They have to say, and they have to become wolf in sheep's clothing, as you mentioned, and as you're theorizing, in order to do it. That's how they do it. So I, that's why I say, I don't care who controls the world, what they're made of, what they exist in. They are doing the same exact thing. And I think that's the same message you're saying, is that ultimately it's a, it's a strategy used by a minority of people to manipulate and hide behind different groups of people and say look get that person and get this person it's them it's them while they go laughing literally and to the bank with our money and our resources and everything else yeah i tell you what if you put your, your average jewish person in israel um away from all the crap you put them around a table with some palestinians and let them talk and and they would realize the enormous amount they have in common as against what they uh, uh, and they would see that what they perceive each other to be is not necessarily what they are. See, the Palestinians are and organizations like Hamas, which there is considerable evidence was created um, with enormous help by Israel and I would say Sabatier and Frankists. Organizations like Hamas are very, very important to to. Israel, Israel's leadership, because they are a focus to terrify the Israeli population. Mm -hmm. um, and just as um, the uh, extreme version of Islam uh, created by the same Sabbatee and Frankists via people like the Saudi royal family um, are perfect to terrify the American population and the European population. Um, into giving power to their leaders and supporting wars like you know as well as anybody to say the least um of conquest and chaos um because you persuade them that these terrorists are going to come and basically you know get them the more the more 
uh, terrorist attacks you can manipulate, the more uh, situations you can manipulate to generate fear, the more you're going to get people um, supporting government action they wouldn't normally support Um, and doing things. I mean, how many people join the American military who wouldn't otherwise um, as a result of 9-11, which was actually done by Sabatier and Frankis, not Arab hijackers. Right. Uh, so so th- this same theme, this is this is this is how a tiny by comparison to the global population, a tiny group can manipulate um, the target population globally into um, into psychologically responding the way that they are desired. And if we come back to coronavirus, I have no doubt whatsoever for my 30 years of full time uh research into this, that this coronavirus situation, the Sabatier and Frankis will be behind it, operating out of different countries, America and wherever, where these networks operate. Um, and just look at what they've achieved in a, in a matter of weeks. They have got the whole world responding as they want them to respond. So please don't let anyone Uh, be so naive as to say a few people can't control the world. Just look at your news tonight and you'll see that they are doing it. And they do it by consent. And that's why I don't blame them all the time. That's why I don't say, you know what, you know, these bad guys, it's, it's in, in other words, I say the corruption that we see in the world is a reflection within ourselves in a sense, you know, our, our ignorance, it could be our laziness. It could be our, obsession with materialism or vanity and these people manipulate that because they know that our darkest natures are what you know mankind our basis natures is what we're you know uh, driven by that reptilian brain you know, that doesn't think logically and abstracts it just wants more stuff it wants more food it wants more sex and that's what they deploy the the porno industry the, the, the well this is this is the whole point this is the whole point you 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 the, you've hit on 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 the whole point i am um, I've spent 30 years exposing these people, um, but I don't hate them because if I did, I become them. Um, and also, you have to look at the responsibility of the population. Uh, people can only be manipulated if they allow themselves to be manipulated. They can only uh, be controlled by a few if they choose to give their power away to the few. We can only be mass controlled by the acquiescence of those being mass controlled. Uh, This is is the foundation of it. You know, uh, what I'm exposing is how it's done and who's doing it to what end. But I'm certainly not saying that we can hand the blame for the state of the world to this cult. Yes, it's fundamentally influenced that by the agenda and its uh, manipulation and covert actions, yes. But the population must take responsibility for allowing itself to be pulled in and to behave and perceive the way that it does. And, you know, for for years and years, well, decades now, I suppose, 
I've been um, uh, talking about the fact that humans have out sheep the sheep because um, there was back in the 1990s, I stood at the side of a field one day and I saw this vast flock of sheep walking down the hill towards me. And in front of them was a shepherd with a stick, uh, symbolic of this elite. And any sheep that started to get out of the pack, the sheep dog, I think there was more than one, was barking them into line, which is symbolic of fear. And I just watched and I thought, I'm watching the human race. This is how it's done. These sheep were following the one in front. Why are you following the one in front? Well, I'm following the one in front of me. Oh, why Why are you buying all these toilet rolls? Well, well, because everyone else is buying them, right? Yeah. It's the same thing. And, and, and so it occurred to me as I was standing there, what if these sheep just started going off in different directions? There's the power, there's the, the shepherd at the front, I'm in control. And there's the fear, rope, rope, rope. What if those sheep started going off in different directions? Loads of them. Well, first of all, the guy with the stick is going to be standing there thinking, what the hell do I do? Well, there's nothing you can do. There's too many of them gone off in too many directions. And, 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 and the dogs start barking and the sheep don't fall to fear. So they're, they're, they're not going to make any difference now once you've let fear go. So suddenly you've gone from a situation of apparent control and acquiescence to a situation where those in control have no control over the um, what they formerly did control. And we have to start breaking out of the pack, expressing our uniqueness, letting go of fear, not only of what other people think but of consequences for doing what is right because to contemplate not doing what is right is to contemplate the consequences of not doing what is right so with the consequences comes the contemplation I will contemplate on not doing what I know to be right to protect me and the consequences of that that I perceive. And what does that do? Gives total control to the shepherd via the sheep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So we need we need now to, to, to look this in the eye and realize that this ain't going to be um, something that's going to pass. All the virus hysteria will pass and something else will come along. But this goal of total human control, and they're talking in the years for getting on for completion, 2030 or beyond, Um, this ain't going away, just going to go on. Now, we look it in the eye now, and we say we're not having it, en masse, those sheep going off in their different directions, or we have to look our children and grandchildren in the eye 
in the realization that if we think it's bad now, what the hell is it going to be like for them? Exactly. I say it all the time. I say, I say to people, you know, some of us are in a position like myself. I'm a disabled veteran. I get money from the government, disability pay, so I don't have to work. A lot of people are afraid to speak up because they will literally lose their job. Now they're censoring people who make money on YouTube from losing their job, essentially, because they live, you know, there are people who make tons of money on YouTube. So unless you're independent, it's almost like you can't speak out. But as you said, if people aren't willing to lose their jobs for the future of their children's safety, uh, how can they possibly think they're going to not look at their children and say, you know, well, grandpa didn't want to lose his job. So I didn't say anything. You know what I mean? And now look, you're enslaved even worse. Yeah. You know, um, uh, what, what was it? Um, I, I came across a, a quote uh, by um, Winston Churchill. Uh, uh, and the theme of it was this uh, of people um basically feeding the dragon so that that they would be the last people the dragon eats that's the theme of the quote so if you go on acquiescing to the dragon it will come for you eventually because that's the game the idea is if we stand together now and and say we're not having it and stop cooperating with our own enslavement then um, we can do something about it. If we don't, we go on following the shepherd in fear of the sheepdog, then um, this is uh, going to go into a situation very rapidly. My goodness, it's happening around us now. Um, that would have made George Orwell wince beyond anything he even contemplated. Okay, well, I, I got like two more questions for you, and then we'll get into like the upcoming documentary in your book. And we'll get into the two super chats that I have here. Um, so essentially, David, what do you think their end game looks like? And then also, what can we do about it? Because that's really the question people want to know. What the hell can we do about it? So go ahead. And take the well, what, what we can do about it. I mean, it's multi-leveled, but it's all connected. And I've just written a book, uh, just finished, um, which is going to go into production very soon. In fact, it's being proofread now, um, which the whole thrust of it is exactly answering that question. Um, but in terms of what it looks like, um, well, you, I've talked earlier about the Hunger Games Society, but let, let's just go on to another level of it, and that is the AI level. If you, if you look at the quotes of um, Ray Kurzweil, um, a Google executive, and others in Silicon Valley, the devil's playground, um, first of all, it's the, the, the major corporations of um, Silicon Valley, your Facebooks and your um, your Googles and your YouTubes. They're Sabatier and Frankist controlled. Uh, and uh, that's where all the censorship comes from via the ADL, etc. That's why they're all connected. Uh, and um, so. Kurzweil is talking that about that by 2030, humanity will start having its brain connected to artificial intelligence. And you would then ask the question, why would they say that? Why would they tell us? Well, they, they, they're, they're telling us for a very simple reason. You can only manipulate under the surface for so long. There comes a point, I said this years ago, that this point would have to come, where if you're going to transform society in the way you want then society has to start transforming in the way that you want. And so, therefore, you can't hide be below the radar anymore because people are seeing it. So you move then from hiding it to justifying it 
and to selling it. And so the sales pitch of Kurzweil for um, connecting the human brain to um, artificial intelligence is that it will make us superhuman, we will become gods. Um, what he's not telling us, uh, but I would be absolutely sure that he knows, is that um, we'll become subhuman. Um, and he talks about the fact that once this AI connection is made, uh, then, um, and th th these are summarizing his quotes, um, that AI will do more and more of human thinking um, until basically human thinking as we know it today is negligible and, and AI will do it all. Um, and then you've got this mega, mega fraud called Elon Musk, who's putting all the satellites up, um, thousands of them, and he's tens of thousands of them, and he's arrogance, changing the nature of the night sky, um, to beam the um, Wi-Fi stroke 5G radiation field uh, to every inch of the earth, which will allow this uh, human AI connection to happen and to connect the human mind to this smart grid, which is designed to be AI controlling everything from human perception right through to your car. This is what autonomous cars are all about. Uh, and these electric cars, again, it's another benefit of the climate cult and the uh, climate change hoax, is that you move to electric cars. Electric cars are stepping stones to autonomous vehicles, which will be run electrically and wouldn't be able to operate with um, petrol engines. So instead of pick, getting in your car and driving to where you want to go, you will only go where the computer allows you to go. And so lots of areas will not be able to be accessed by humans um, in their car because the computer will not take them there. This is it's all control. So th uh, this is this is the um, this is the world they want to create. Uh, and um, this is what the smart grid's all about. Now, one of the things I talk about in the trigger um, in some detail towards the end um, is how the center of this grid is moving more and more incessantly into Israel. They have a, um, this is Sabbatean Frankism again, they have a military operation, a cyber operation at Beersheba, in Israel around, which is a military operation. If you go and criticize Israel online, uh, the abuse you get back, a lot of it will come from Beersheba in a coordinated way with people posing as members of the public. Um, and around this Beersheba operation now are more and more of the research and development operations of the uh, Silicon Valley giants, your Facebooks and your Googles and your, your Intels, et cetera, et cetera. And this Sabbatean Frankist cult um, is using and exploiting a, uh, an ancient belief in the messianic um, scenario. It's a messianic operation in its um, uh, outward expression anyway, hence Messiah Zabbatai Zevi. And this, this legend, this belief, 
is that the Messiah will come and will rule the world out of Israel. Now, until this smart grid situation started to emerge, um, that seemed crazy. How can you rule the world out of Israel? It's madness. But now you start to realize that this smart grid is unfolding, that it is possible to control it from a central point um, with human brains and every technology imaginable connected to it. Suddenly you can start to see how it will be possible to centrally control uh, the world from a central point. Um, and this whole prophecy of rebuilding Solomon's temple on what is to Jewish and Christians, um, uh, uh, believers, um, a Temple Mount, where the big mosque is now in Jerusalem. This is um, this is all connected to this um, this prophecy. And um, so. Because um, Donald Trump is owned by Israel, i.e. Sabatian Frankists, um, he has given them everything they've asked for um, since he became president. He's moved the embassy. That was all, it's all part of this movement towards this, cent this control center in uh, Jerusalem. And um, uh, he's also come up with this, or, or his son-in-law, an ultra, ultra Zionist, uh, Yavid Kushner, has come up with this deal of the century, which does what? It hands uh, all the aces to the um, Israeli government and con complete control and um, ownership of Jerusalem. And you've got all these um, efforts now to depopulate Jerusalem in terms of Arab people from East Jerusalem, etc. Um, and it's all part of this movement um, that I'm talking about. And it's not the Jews taking over the world. It's the Sabbatean Frankists hiding behind the Jewish belief system and the Jewish community. And the Jewish community need to get their backsides in gear fast because um, the future is not meant to be any better for them than it is for the rest of us. Yeah, and they would be one of the most effective people to get up because then there's no way to attack them. I mean, they get attacked anyway. There's been plenty of, of Jewish people who get called self-hating Jews uh, who've come out and said things you know, about the New World Order and all this stuff. And that's what they do to them also. So that could even show you. You, you, know, you know, it's a scam when Jewish people who criticize Israel get more yeah. abuse from this network than non-Jewish people mm -hmm. for a very simple reason, as you well know. Uh, they do try bizarrely to do it, but it's far more difficult to um, dub a Jewish person anti-Semitic than a non-Jewish person. So they are the Jewish people that speak out against the Israel. Most of them won't realize it, but they're speaking out against the Sabbatean Frankist cult um, will um, uh, will get more stick and abuse from this um, defense system. What I call the. Um, anti-Semitism in this industry uh, protection racket um, than non-Jewish people. And that tells you everything you need to know about what this um, what this cult really thinks about um, uh, Jewish people. Yeah, I, I agree with you, uh, especially, like I said before, not everyone's in on this plan and things like that. And all right. So I have some super chats uh, people are sending in, David, if you don't mind answering. Uh, one of them is from Cringe Panda. 
Okay, young girl, very talented. Subscribe to her channel, guys. You need to get 10 more people to get to 5,000. She asked this question to you, David. Did you know, or do you know, that Christian Mengele, son of Joseph Mengele, is a fan of yours and painted stuff inspired by your work before? Also a hollow earther. I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> so I guess... Well, I, no, I, I, I didn't know that, but I, I have... Um... I have exposed his father in my books because uh, uh, Joseph Mengele um, uh, uh, ended up um, in um, in South America and indeed uh, in the United States um, after the war um, through uh, a thing called um, Operation Paperclip. Uh, major Nazis um, of um, scientists and, and geneticists and mind controllers um, were spirited out of um, Germany at the end of the war into America. It was those people that actually um, overwhelmingly created NASA. And uh, they control uh, people. They also, uh, there was a lot of mind control experiments done with, um, with people in the concentration camps. And Mengele's obsession with, uh, with um, uh, uh, the twins was all to do with this. Um, and um, out of that, when they moved to America, came MK Ultra, Mind Control Ultra, one of the, the most grotesque things you can imagine, where uh, people were subject to, to, to horrendous treatment to, um, to basically uh, rewire their minds to, um, to be agents of... Um, of this of this cult, uh, so um, uh, he he was known apparently. I I, I talked um, many years ago. I did enormous research into this whole mind control MK Ultra situation, both sides of the Atlantic, particularly in America, um, and uh, talked to many people who were uh, victims of MK Ultra, and uh, they they were telling me how um, uh, Mengele operated in. Um, in America, under the name and in this MK Ultra uh, network, as um, uh, Doctor Green, and one of the places he operated out of was underground at the China Lake Naval Weapon Naval Weapons Center, uh, Station Center Station in the Mojave Desert in uh, California. I've driven around it a couple of times over the years, and um, there's hardly anything above ground. It's all underneath, and I tell you the um, I think it's called Ridgecrest, which is a, a small uh, town settlement at the entrance to um, China Lake Naval Weapons Station. And all I can say, it is it's a very strange place. Uh, and uh, um, it has a, lo a, 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 a whole history of, of people subject to mind control um, living and operating in that area. Not saying everybody, I'm right. casting as much as anybody, but 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 a lot of them um, have ended up there, and in the surrounding area. And I've spoken to some of them, and I tell you what, the common theme stories they tell you are incredibly compelling, even in um, in detail. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, Mengele was, um, was 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 very much part of it. Uh, and um, I've exposed him at some length in the books. Yeah, by the way, it was the grandson, not the, she corrected me. Oh, sorry. The, grand, Gra the grandson of Megala, who, yeah, who. It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't be the son, would it? It'd be very old now. Well, yeah, exactly. So I just realized, so sorry, cringe, I didn't see that. And another super chat. 
that was sent to me uh, before the other shows were not working uh, was this question from the facetious, I guess his name is. He said, uh, he asked if either of us heard about the March 26 removal of ratio requirements by the Federal Reserve. I don't even know what that is. Do you know what that is? Have you heard of that? Well, not in, in detail, but uh, of course, the Federal Reserve is um, is owned by the Sabatier and Frankis cult, uh, and it is it is it, it was manipulated into place um, early in the twentieth um, century, and um, was um, a and has been ever since a, a way of uh, controlling the American economy and drowning. America in debt. Um, it's an absolute 100% front for the Sabatier Frankist cult. And and if you look at this long period, enormous period, which took us right across um, the 2008 crash, you had um, Alan Greenspan, ultra Zionist, going to uh, Ben Bernanke, ultra Zionist, Janet Yellen, ultra Zionist. Uh, and what's the chances of that as the chairman of the Federal Reserve um, over such a long period coming from 2% of the American population? The statistical chances are enormous and it happened because of Sabatier and Frankism. Yeah, no, it's interesting how this uh, small cult works. I mean, they really have their ways yep. of doing things and, and they, they get into key positions. And then, of course, there will be people will say, "Oh, it's the Jews because that one's ethnically yeah, Jewish." Exactly. And that's that's and the whole. Term. Just, just like the... just like with the Wahhabist, they do the ISIS yep. thing. Oh, it's all Muslims. Go get them. You know, be be anti-Muslim yep. or whatever. That's how it works. It's interesting. Um, it's absolutely just the Islamic version of the same mm -hmm. thing. And uh, another another super chat, David. Synch Synchronicity man asks two pounds. I guess he's from England. I'm assuming, or maybe Europe. No, it's no pounds. You guys don't have a euro, right? You guys have pounds in England? Oh, we survived the okay. euro. Thank okay. you. Okay, so you have pounds. All right, so he's from England. Synchronicity man, Synchronicity man says this. Synchronicity man says this. Why is Alex Jones ignoring the Zionist question? I guess he's asking it to you or me. I'm not sure. But, uh, I mean, he's mentioned it once. He's mentioned uh, Zion. He's said it a few times, but he said he's tired of saying it, I guess. I don't know. What's your opinion on that, David? If you want to express it, well, I think I think I think you know pe people need to ask Alex that. Really, um, I, I went on his show the last time after a very long period when I wasn't on it, and um, I'm I'm not sure Alex knew it was coming. I don't think he did, um, and um, he asked me what was in my new book, <laughs> and uh, and and uh, of course the Sabatier and Frankist story was um, was delivered. So um, I don't know. Um, that's um, that's for Alex to to answer. What I would say is if um, I think you kind of mentioned it earlier, um, if you don't encompass this, if you don't encompass this uh, aspect to, to what's going on, um, either there's a reason why or you don't know, in which case there's a lot more research to do to understand what's going on. I, uh, in my opinion, too, like I, I've I've seen his works. I've been a fan of his for a long time. And I also think it's possible. And this is the best scenario is that perhaps people like that know the truth, but say, look, if I say it, I'll lose my platform and I won't be able to wake anyone up at different levels. That's the best scenario and excuse I can give such people. So if they. Yeah, yeah I, I, I can absolutely see that. And I would make this clear. Um, 
you know, Alex Jones gets a lot of stick, uh, a lot of attacks, and uh, in, not least in the alternative media. Uh, and um, there's there's quite a bit that that Alex uh, uh, stands for and believes that I don't. So so what? You know, you know, call the police. You know, people have different opinions. So what? But for all the abuse that Alex gets and and um, and uh, continues to get. Uh, he has woken a lot of people up to the fact that the powers that appear to run the world are not actually the powers. Uh, we, we may disagree on what exactly those powers are, but, but he has made that contribution. And I would rather have had Alex Jones uh, doing what he's doing over the years than not having um, uh, Alex Jones. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, just, be, just because... We don't agree on everything doesn't mean that um, you're, you're saying that, you know, the, the guy doesn't do a lot of, of things that of, of benefit. He, he certainly does. And, um, you know, um, let's just chill a bit and, and stop judging people because they're not 100 percent what we think they should be. That's how the system works. That's how it divides us. Um, so. You know, Alex must do it his way and I'll do it mine and um, and we'll agree on what we agree on and we'll disagree on what we disagree on. And we just carry on doing what we're doing. There's no need for conflict. There's no need for division. And, you know, one of one of the sad things for me and, I, you know, I, I, I was doing this um, before there was an alternative media. It didn't exist. You know, I mean, people talk about, you know, the Internet. I was doing this before uh, there was an Internet, basically, and a very, very early, early, early stages of it. Um, and, and you know, if you wanted to, to do a public meeting, you know, you didn't put it on the Internet. You, you had people standing in the street handing out leaflets. You know, that's where I go back to. Um, and uh, one of the sad things uh, that I've noticed is as this has unfolded and expanded to my great joy, by the way, more the merrier, I say, um, that people have got into fighting with each other over detail. And you're a this and you're a that and you're a troll and you're a, 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 a Mossad asset, a, Mossad asset. <laughs> all this stuff. OK, uh, OK. There might be, there might not be, but just get on with it and and take what feels right and leave the bloody rest. Uh, uh, but instead of, yeah, OK, well, we agree with the thrust of it. Yeah, we do. OK, so let's unite behind that. No, you say this uh, in paragraph, you know, this paragraph here, and you say that. and uh, 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 What? You know. Do we have to know the absolute fine detail of what happened on 9-11? It's interesting and it's worth knowing. And if we can find out, great. But all we need to know to understand 9-11 in its foundation form is that it wasn't done by 19 hijackers. The official narrative is a joke in terms of uh, credibility. And thus, there is another force that created 9-11 as a problem for a solution that's gone on ever since in wars and destruction of privacy. So let's agree on that. Can we agree on that? Well, yeah, well, let's agree on it then. 
Stop fighting over detail. It's insane. And what you've got, of course, is not just people who are so self-bloody-obsessed that they'll do that. You've got people being put in by this cult in all its various forms to cause that division. That's correct, yep. We need to be aware of that. And what I do individually, what I've always done, is I work alone. I operate alone. I don't have any network. Um, um, and, and I just do my thing and, and get on with it. And, you know, don't get caught in all the infighting, which is just immature um, diversion from what we need to do, which is to unite behind what we agree on, which is that a force of great psychopathic evil is directing uh, human society now very quickly along a very dark and dangerous road from which we need to turn back fast. I agree with you, David. I made a video a few days ago about having a big tent, and that means including everyone who is a good person who just talks about what they talk about, so long as they're not trying to mislead people purposely. And even if you disagree with them, who cares? Because at some point, their knowledge, whether you agree now anymore, after you've learned over years and changed, they did something. At some point, you know, Jason Burmis, who I don't agree with on everything, or yourself, I don't agree on every single thing, or you don't agree with me, it's impossible to have a perfect truth teller. We can't know everything, right? So even Alex Jones, for example, the fact that, People say question authority is the first step, David. That's the biggest step. When I was I was a Marine, I was programmed to, oh my God, the terrorist. Oh my God, Saddam Hussein. Oh my God, Al-Qaeda. Oh my, I didn't question a single thing. When I ran into your work, Alex's work, Jason Burke, then I started going, wait a minute. There's another way of thinking? And that's the biggest step. And at that point, you know, of course, you go on to different paths and that's fine. And I agree with you. Infighting is part of the problem it's egotistically based and again even engineered by these trolls like unit 82 from israel what 8200 comes around you know implanting people yeah. things like that so that's, that's again beersheba exactly so yeah. the, this is this there's no reason to argue and say oh david i don't like him because he talks about reptilians he's not he's he's a he's a shill for israel or something stupid no it's you believe what you believe you're saying what you believe and you're a good person and you want to help humanity the details to me are irrelevant i don't care who these psychopaths are what they're made of what their plan is essentially i want i want us to wake up and say look we need to take responsibility uh i have another super chat from cringe panda one more i know i'll let you go soon dave because it's been two hours i really appreciate your time and patience she says this I, I, just to say very okay, quickly uh, you know i applaud um alex jones's contribution yes uh, and um, and uh, while I don't agree with everything he says and don't agree with everything he does, I applaud his contribution. And, and that's the way I think we should our attitude should be to, to all of us. Uh, um, and and then we can unite behind what we agree on. Exactly. And that's my point as well. I, I agree with you 100 percent. So Cridge Panda, once again, she says this. She goes, I'm a teen that makes videos exposing child grooming. Can I get a shout out and some words on your thoughts on child groom on children being forced to transition? So I guess she's talking about the LGBTQA transition agenda from gender to this gender to that. What's your take on that, David? Oh, well, um, uh, I could talk for ages on this subject. Uh, and they're not child grooming gangs. They are child rape 
gangs. That's what they are. And we shouldn't hide behind things like uh, grooming. Um, we have had a number of them come to light in Britain, um, despite political correctness, giving them uh, a long time to operate before any action was taken. Um, but again, if, if to understand that one of the phrases I have is if it comes out of nowhere and it's suddenly everywhere, it's the agenda. And what has come out of nowhere, um, this whole transgender um, explosion. So there's a reason for it. Uh, there's a reason it gets so much exposure. It's a reason the system um, rolls over to what the transgender activist uh, mafia, because what it is, um, and I'm not talking about transgender people in general, I'm talking about the activist uh, network, which a lot of genuine transgender people can't stand, by the way. Um, there has to be a reason for all this. And we come back to know the outcome and you'll see the journey. The longer term outcome that relates to this is the plan is to replace the current human body with another form of human body. And, you know, people like Aldous Huxley and George Orwell, who were so accurate in their um, their books from what, 1948 and in terms of Huxley, 1932, because they weren't coming purely from their imagination. This this agenda goes way back. And if you can access it because you're an insider or you work your backside off to uncover it, you can you can predict the future. It's what why so many people are coming to my books now is because so much was in my books in the 1980s is at 1990s is happening in detail. That's not because I'm a, I'm a prophet. It's because if you know what the agenda is and you uncover it. And nothing comes to intervene in that agenda, which is the whole point of what people like me do get that intervention. Then by predicting what the agenda plans, you are actually predicting the future, because unless there's an intervention, it will happen. Um, and so when you look at Brave New World um, and the world state hatcheries where children were not produced by male female procreation anymore but through laboratory means shall we say um these um this new human is planned to have no gender because there's no need to procreate you don't need male and female because you're not producing humans like that anymore this is all part of this longer term plan of of the AI controlled society. Um, and what we're seeing with the transgender explosion is the totalitarian tiptoe to that outcome. What they're doing is confusing gender, confusing gender to fuse gender, fuse gender, no gender human. So um, this is what it's about. And the reason that the young and the schools the universities are being so targeted by this transgender activist tyranny, which is controlled by the Sabatine Frankist uh, network, 
because it's part of that same agenda. The reason they're targeting the young is they're programming out of the young at the earliest possible age. This is why drag queens are being sent into schools all over the world to read stories to children. What does a drag queen do to a small child of four, five, six or so, then confuse its perception of gender? So the idea is you, you're, you're programming out of the young, the earliest possible age, the sense of gender, because you're moving towards a no gender world. Uh, and um, and that's what this is all about. And this is why, um, again, whistleblowers um, have tip of the iceberg mind have exposed how children are being given um, gender changing drugs at the earliest possible age and pushed on this road to um, transition with um, very little, if any, evidence that that should be uh, that that direction should be pursued, at least until the child is of um, legal age of making those decisions. But they're pushing kids into it. And, and, and what they're doing is they are intimidating parents into fear of talking out about it. Um, and, uh, you know, if you if you if you question these things, you're you're transphobic. I'm not transphobic. I don't care what people's body is. It's just a body for a brief experience of consciousness in this tiny band of frequency we call the world. I don't care what color it is. I don't care where it comes from. I don't care what sexuality is. is. It's irrelevant to me. But what is not irrelevant is the manipulation of people and the imposition of people to go down a particular direction, which is extremely dark and satanic um, uh, uh, and it not being challenged. And so you speak out about this and you're transphobic. Well, call me what you like. I couldn't care less. I'm not shutting up because the... Um, the effect on children of this is disgusting. And the same way you speak out about the hoax of climate change. You are a climate denier. You're putting the future of the world at risk. Bloody nonsense. Call me what you like. Couldn't care less. You're a racist. Yeah. Every word. I, I, I don't have a racist cell in my body because to, to me, the body is just a vehicle, whatever color or background it is. For our consciousness, of which we're all part of the same consciousness, ultimately, um, to have an experience. So call me racist, if you like. Couldn't care bloody less, mate. You ain't shutting me up. Um, and, and this transgender thing is is um, has come out of nowhere because it's the agenda. Yep. And, and, and the woman, who, the young lady who keeps bringing it up is Cringe Panda. And she, she even just mentioned an interesting fact that a lot of these medications to transition, guess what country is developed from? Israel. So uh, it's interesting to, to know that. She also was saying, David, could you say uh, hi, Cringe Panda for me? Because she's in tears here. She's really moved. I don't know if you want to do that. All right. Hi, Cringe Panda. We've all got to keep going. It's not an option. By the way, um, the um, Israeli government, uh, whether it will turn out this way, uh, we'll see. But the Israeli government uh, has uh, announced some couple of weeks ago that it uh, claims to be 
uh, or its scientists to be um, uh, leading the race for a coronavirus vaccine for this COVID-19. And um, what the scientists said <clears throat> is that um, it, it was um, pure, pure luck, pure luck uh, that um, they'd been since 2016 um, using the coronavirus to test um their technology to see um, if it worked or not and as a result they are further along in developing a vaccine which they said could be have human trials uh, quite um, uh, shortly so it was pure luck and some people will believe that and some of us um, maybe won't yep uh, it's interesting how they always are they're on the they're always ahead of things, these, these Israelis. Stabbing Frank is cut. All right, David, right, so let's, uh, we'll end the show in like another second here. Tell us about the upcoming documentary. I think it's called Renegade. It's about your life, I'm assuming. Well, well, that's, it's already out, actually. Okay, if, out. If, people go, if people go to davidike.com, um, they'll be um, uh, able to, uh, to see it. Um, it was done by an American company. And um, it, it was shot in about five countries, as I recall. And it's um, it's it's me on the road to a, a point, but really it's not really it's about my life, yes, but it's about my information, um, and it's an extremely accessible way. I think what the I, I didn't have anything to do with putting it together, um, but I think they did a great job, and it's it's a wonderful way, Renegade, of introducing people who know nothing to this information. It's very accessible um, to 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 anyone. And that's its great um, its great contribution, I, I think. And uh, we also have a, a, a platform which my son Jamie has uh, put together brilliantly called um, uh, Iconic, mm -hmm. which is a, uh, a media platform which has a phenomenal amount of information be, uh, and of documentaries and series being added to all the time. He's just finishing a, a, a feature documentary on um, uh, the... Uh, effect of 5G and Wi-Fi and, and this electromagnetic um, sea that we now live in, all part of this smart grid. Uh, and it's, it's, it's an absolutely excellent... I've had nothing to do with, with, uh, with creating it. He's created it. He's just done a great job. And there's fantastic information on there. Um, and, and one of the, the reasons that, um, that he's created it is um, to, have a, um, to have a platform for the information when the mainstream internet... Uh, controlled by the Sabatine Frankist cult, like YouTube and Google and Facebook, etc. Um, when they start um, taking this censorship into um, into the stratosphere. Yeah, I was actually uh, your, your son invited me to do a show with him, so I did that. And the other one, uh, Will, it invited me as well. Not your other son, but the, one of the producers that helps them. So I did two shows, I think, on Iconic, and they were nice enough to get, get me connected to you and also on your site as well. So I appreciate that, of course. Um, yeah, David, so that'll be the end of the show. Any final thoughts before I let you go that you want to say to the audience? No, I think we've got a, um, I think we've got a lot of information out there um, in what, I mean, God, it, it was light when I started. <laughs> um, it's pitch black now. Uh, but um, it's, uh, it's good to talk to you and it's good to get this information out. And, you know, one of the things is that you can, you can get a false sense of where people are at if if you only listen to the shrill voices that have access to the microphones um because because the the the, the cult and the, its system wants certain information circulating its people 
the vast majority of people don't even know they're its people, um, get access to microphones, get access to television and all this stuff, mainstream. Uh, and it can give you a false, um, a false sense of where people are at. When you talk to people in the street, never get access to the microphone. When you talk to them in the supermarket aisle, they never get access to a microphone. You, um, you see a very different um, attitude to what appears to be the prevailing thing. You talk to them about the transgender. You talk about uh, explosion. You talk to them about political correctness. You even talk to uh, uh, people now about the coronavirus. Um, uh, talk to them about climate change. And in a very much a higher, very high ratio, you get a very different opinion set on those subjects than you get through the media um, that are trying to sell something else. Um, yes, there's massive manipulation going on. But, you know, there's a lot of people in different ways who haven't bought it. And those people now need to stop being the silent majority and start to become the very loud majority because um, we can't watch from the sidelines any longer. And I think this coronavirus thing is waking a lot of people up at the same time that it's closing a lot of people down. I agree with you, David. It's going to be a constant struggle. And, and we, the people here, those of us who are willing to get out there and express ourselves like you and I are doing and you've been doing for decades and you're very, a very big inspiration, very big influence on me, David. And I, I really appreciate you coming on my show. I mean that very much. I'm honored for you to be here. And I'm very happy that you were patient with the technical difficulties. Uh, so <laughs> with that being said, whatever, whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, whatever it takes to get yeah. the information, I, we must do. I appreciate it. Well, with that being said, David, I'll let you go. Enjoy the rest of your day or night. Thanks. And uh, thank you for coming on. And I'm well, sure we'll keep in touch in some way. So thank you very much. And I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Real pleasure. And, um, you know, bye bye to your okay. viewers. Take care. Thank you. Bye. -bye. bye, -bye.